Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Story, we're going to focus our attention on Peter, Simon Peter. And uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. Um, but, you know, uh, what I love about Simon Peter the most is just like me. And he's just like you. And um, he was one of Jesus' disciples and he was one of the leaders in the New Testament church. And yet he's just like us. Uh, and um, I, I get a great deal of comfort out of reading people who are not super Spiro, but who are just people wanting to serve Jesus with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind and all their strength. And I learn a lot from them. Uh, we're doing a series uh, where we're talking about our values and there are a number of values that we hold as a church. And the first one was always Jesus. And we read from Colossians chapter 1 that Jesus is above all things. He's, he's through all things. He's the beginning of all things. He's the end of all things. All things hold together. And he's our number one focus, number one priority. And he will continue to be the one thing that is the most important thing for our church at New Heart. And every, if we don't get that, we don't get anything. And Jesus is always the most important. Stories matter. Every week in our life groups, we begin our life groups by saying, what can you celebrate about the work that you've seen God at work in your life? Where has God been moving and changing and transforming your life? What passage of scripture has come to rest in your heart and then active in your life that that you could give thanks and gratitude to God for. So even at church, we do this session almost every Sunday where we celebrate stories. We can't wait to tell stories because it gives stories give glory to God. Our story, whether it begins with bad or ends in good, our stories reveal God's presence in our life and his power in our life. So we want to keep telling stories and we're going to go on to the next lot. Power for change, good news for everyone and discover together. But uh, as I said last week, our stories have a past, they have a present and they have a future, the unwritten stories. Um, and what I love about Jesus is that Jesus knows us before we know him. He is the author and the finisher, we, we learned last week. He is the one that writes and he's the one that finishes writing. And um, I love the fact that I may have started writing my story, but Jesus will finish my story. Uh, in the sense that the one who holds the pen is the one who's in control. And every human begins with a pen that needs to be handed over to the author and finisher of faith. He's the one that really knows how to write well and finish well. And so um, I just want to make this one statement to you. We are not defined by our past. We are defined by who Jesus says we are. We're going to go to John chapter 1. And we're just going to run through some stories, some backstories about Peter. And we're going through some highlights of his story. And I want you to know this, that Peter is a classic for this statement. He was not defined by his past. He was not defined by his time in ministry with Jesus before his death and resurrection. And he's not defined by his victories or his failures post-resurrection. He's actually defined by Jesus. All the way, and so are you and I. 
We are not defined by our past. We are defined by who Jesus says we are. There's a fantastic song. I think of somehow I'm losing a bit of volume here. Um, uh, there's that song, I am who he says I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am. He is for me, not against me. I am who he says I am. And um, I think the part that, that I like is, um, uh, what's the, how's the chorus go? Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And I was talking to, to Roy last week. Roy told me his story. It was such, such, so good to hear your story, Roy. And um, is it okay if I tell a little, little bit of your story? Uh, Roy was just sharing with me that um, he's had a life where he's had uh, addiction to narcotics. And he's going to Narcotics Anonymous. And one day we'll get your story, man. Um, but I want to just tell this little bit. And he said, you know what? I don't like the part where when you go to Narcotics Anonymous, you get up and you say, um, I am Roy and I am a recovering or I am a narcotic addict. He said, at what point do I get to say that's in my past, that's not who I am anymore? And Jasmine, his, his friend, goes around saying, I am a child of God, I used to be. But, do you know the three little word? Powerful word, but, but now, I, you know, I used to be. And so, we are not defined by our past. We are defined by who Jesus says we are. So let's go to John chapter 1, and we're going to run through a number of different scriptures, number th verse 35. And there's a story here. Uh, Jesus has just been baptized uh, by John the Baptist. And one of John the Baptist's disciples at that time was Simon Peter's brother, Andrew. And um, so John the Baptist has said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. And he says, He's going to baptize with spirit and with fire. And Andrew goes, Woohoo! Ha! <laughs> See you later, John. I'm out of here. I'm going with that guy. And um, Andrew, uh, the next day, it says, next day John was there again with his two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus, looked the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Good idea. John was the messenger to introduce them to to Jesus. He wasn't Messiah himself. Turning around, Jesus saw them following him. What are you doing? It's just like that. What are, you, what are you doing? They said, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of those two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was... He went to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, we are not defined by our past. We are defined by who Jesus says we are. You are Simon, son of Jonah. You will be called Cephas or Peter. 
You are Simon, which is a word for reed, bending like this, blown by everything that happens. Son of Jonah, who was a prophet that said no and then said go. Um, Simon, son of Jonah, you are like this, but one day you're going to be like this. You will be. Jesus hardly knew the guy. He just met him. And he looks at him and the Spirit of God in Jesus sees something about what he will become. I want you to get this. It's really important. Discipleship is a journey of faith. It begins even before you know anything about Jesus. In the BC, before Christ, we all are living a life and a journey. And, but God in his sovereignty is there with us before us. He even was there before when we were conceived. And he knows everything about your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And he goes, I have a plan for you to meet salvation. I have a plan for you to be redeemed, to be called by name. I have a plan for you to know me. So I'm going to uh, allow lots of things to happen in your life, including you meeting the right people at the right time. And that leads us to a point where the AD, the AD is after your death. So... All of your life up to the time when you surrender your life to Jesus is a, is a time where God is bringing you to himself. He is revealing truth to you. He's working to reveal his heart to your heart. And at that point where you surrender and you recognize who he is, where you recognize he is the king, then you serve, you know, stop serving yourself. You take the pen and you give it to Jesus. And you say, I don't want to write my life anymore because my story is not very good. In fact, it's got some very bad parts in it. And I'm not doing a good job. Would you take over and be the writer on my heart of a new story? And then we become this, this, this identity shift, this identity change, and we become a child of the king. But God doesn't just leave it there. He wants something more than just a transformed life that gets you into heaven. He actually has a purpose and a destiny for you. And that purpose and a destiny is that you would become a follower of Jesus. And you'll notice as we read Peter's story that Peter began by being introduced to the Messiah. And he went, okay, cool. But then Peter goes on a journey discovering who Jesus is and becoming aware of just what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And then he goes from being a follower to being a disciple, from being a disciple to a disciple maker. Do you know, Jesus wants us all to move, to transition, to journey with him and to grow and to grow up into what he has purposed for us. We start as a baby. We start as a child. We start as just born again. We know nothing except that he is God and that he is king and that he is good. And then he goes, I have so much more for you. There is so much more I want to bring you into. I want you to become a follower. I want you to become a disciple. I want you to become a disciple maker. A disciple maker is simply this. It's a disciple who tells people what God has done for them and shows them how they are living their life with Jesus as their king. That's what a disciple maker is. They just pass on what they've got. So we see this disciple and then we see this disciple maker. So there's this journey. Our faith is a journey. So we're watching Peter at the beginning of his journey in John 1.35. 
And Jesus says to him at the very beginning something that Peter didn't know about himself. He's a rock. But the rock doesn't come from Peter. Where does the rock come from? In his natural self, he's this. And we get to see that through the story we're going to read. He bounces from this to this, from this to this. Does that sound familiar? That's why I love him. And then the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow. So we're going to leave John um, chapter 1. But before we do, this is, this is Peter from The Chosen. Um, and it's really interesting because Peter from The Chosen is actually a fairly short guy. In fact, most of them were probably. The average height of a Galilean at that time was fairly short. So they've actually casted well. And he was around 26 years of age when Jesus called him. He was the eldest. And when you get to Acts, it's Peter, the oldest, and John, the youngest, who was about 16 when Jesus called him. So it's really cool. Very young guys were the heads of the church in Jerusalem in the book of Acts. It's very cool. It gives hope for us oldies. That God, if God can use young people, he can use anybody, right? <laughs> I was once young, so he, he's done that in my life. But yeah, I love, I love Peter. Um, but um, I love in John 1, 35 to 49, you are Simon, but you will be. You will be. You're not defined by your past. I'm telling you what you're going to be. And it's not because you are a rock yourself. It's because I am the cornerstone. I am the rock of salvation. I am the one that is forever. I am the one that is the ancient of days. I'm the rock you can build on. Um, verse, uh, Luke chapter 5. You remember that story where um, Jesus uh, goes down to the Lake of Galilee and he sees Peter cleaning his net and he'd been fishing all night. Well, in the other Mark, Matthew Mark story of the calling of Peter, what you actually get is this kind of picture that because Mark is writing his gospel and he says, I've only got 16 pages, I've got to write it in. See, so oh man, I've got to cut that out, cut that out, cut that out. Let's just cut to the chase. So Jesus goes up in Mark, he goes, uh, Peter went up to uh, some fishermen and he said to Peter, Come follow me. And they went, okay. And they dropped their nets and followed. That's the story if you, if you read the shorthand version. The longhand version Luke tells, and the longhand story is before this chapter in Luke chapter 5, you have the story of Jesus going into Capernaum and there Simon's mother-in-law, we find out Peter's married, Simon's mother-in-law is suffering from a fever and Jesus heals her of that fever. And then throughout the rest of the day, Jesus is healing left, right and centre and casting out demons and people are moving. What we know from John is that Peter or Simon Peter started following Jesus straight after Jesus' baptism, probably went to Cana to the miracle where Jesus turned water into wine, was probably part of that. He came back to Capernaum <coughs> And he observes Jesus doing all these signs and wonders and preaching in their local synagogue and going, whoa, but Peter's still a fisherman at that point. He has become a follower of Jesus, but he's not left everything and followed Jesus. He's just someone that believes. He's seen God, Jesus, do these amazing things. He's on a journey towards following Jesus. 
And then you have this story where Jesus tells Peter, after Jesus giving a big sermon to a crowd that's following him down to the Sea of Galilee, uh, he says, go out, um, put your nets out to the deep part of the water. And Peter goes, Lord, come on, we've been fishing all night, caught nothing, and you want me to throw my nets where there's no fish? You're a carpenter, what would you know? No, he actually doesn't say that. He actually says, Lord, but if you say, because he's already seen, he's probably been at that, it doesn't say in, in, um, in John 2 where Jesus uh, turns water into wine, it doesn't say the names of the disciples that followed him. But we've already told in John 1 that it was this, uh, Peter, uh, Andrew, it was Philip and Nathaniel. By the way, Nathaniel's a great story. He's sitting under a fig tree. Philip comes up to him and says, oh, you've got to meet Messiah. And Jesus comes up to him and says, you're a man of great righteousness. And by the way, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree. And Nathaniel goes, whoa, you are the, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes, that's nothing, man. You wait until you see. And then Jesus says, that's going to be nothing. You're going to see the angels come down and descend upon me. That, what I just told you is pretty cool, but you're going to see greater things than that. Don't you love that story? Jesus sees us before we even see him. He knew Nathaniel even before he met Nathaniel. And guess what? Everyone's living in this room. Jesus has gone ahead of you. He knows you. And we know the story in Luke chapter 5 that um, this massive catch of fish happens. They bring it in and Peter falls at the fleet and says, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Jesus has got a relationship with Simon. He actually goes up to him and says, can I use your boats? He knows his name. He's already said, you are Simon, son of Jonah, but you will be Peter. You will be a rock. And now these great miracles happen right in his boats and Jesus says, now you come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And at that moment, Simon makes the first big decision of his life, which was to leave everything, take Andrew with him and later James and John. And they start becoming fishers of men. We've got fishers of men here. I love the fact that Jesus chose a fisherman who was a sinful man to be the first person that he chose to say, come follow me. So good. Then we read the story of Peter getting out of the boat. And you know the story. There's Jesus comes and he's walking on the water and he, Jesus calls him out of the boat. So what does people, Peter say? Now Peter's known for speaking, for, speaking first, thinking second. <laughs> Sorry, Simo. <laughs> What's your name? Simon. You will be rock. God is making you rock, man. So he says, it's Lord, if it's you, let me come out. Come out. Gets out of the boat. He's walking on water going, this is really cool. Then he looks around, looks to the left, sees the storm. And what happens? So we have in within a minute, you've got a great man of great faith and a man of great fear. Jesus gets him back into the boat and says, oh, Why did you fear? Oh, you have little, little faith. If you only believe. In this little story, you've got a story of journey of faith where Jesus called Peter to do something impossible, but he was growing him. 
You know, you can look at Jesus' response to his failure by looking at the storm and you could go, oh, if only Peter just kept his eyes on Jesus. But I want to say to you all, is anybody feeling like that right now? Do you ever get in the situation where the circumstances that you're facing seem overwhelming and stormy and impossible and you take your eyes off Jesus and you start sinking into depression, despair, unbelief, all those things? I want to tell you, Jesus does not stop just because you fail. He doesn't drop you because you fail. He says, I am with you, keep going. But he's going to remind you, why did you not believe? That's the story of Peter. Why did you not believe? You know, everything that's happened up to now, and surely you will start believing, but this is the life of discipleship. It's a journey of failing and winning and winning and failing and winning and failing hopefully it's more like this right as i get older it seems to happen a little bit like that this is this gray hair that's the result of my body dying and also the learning of wisdom (laughs) i want to make less mistakes than i made yesterday Uh, In Matthew 16, Jesus takes them on the road trip, and I've talked to you about this many times, and Jesus asks uh, the disciples, the first person to say, when he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter had already said that uh, when Jesus uh, had walked on water. You are... You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He's reaffirming it. He he believes this to be true. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's an interesting thing. That's What chapter is that? Quickly. Look at this. Jesus then, within how many verses? 16, verse 22 and verse 23. Within something like seven verses, Peter goes from being, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus says, son of man has to die, be handed over to the authorities, crucified, buried, but he will rise again and, and you will disown me. No, no, never, Lord. And then Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Because from out of the mouth comes this beautiful declaration, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then five minutes later, he's going, no, that's not the plan, Jesus. You're not supposed to die. Jesus has to say, you know, Satan's speaking through you, Peter. You don't understand. Back in um, the story before, Jesus says, well done. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. So we get this beautiful one, on one moment, Peter is saying, Jesus, you're this. And the next minute he's saying, but not, not the way. We don't want you to be like that. We don't want you to die. That's not the plan, Jesus. We want you to be the king and I'll sit on your right hand. That'll be good. Then we move forward to Matthew 26, 31. And uh, Peter does the Peter thing. Um, and Jesus says, some of you are going to disown me. Ha. Oh. Oh, that's just Peter. Oh, Lord, even if I have to die with you, I will never dis... All these guys will. Definitely, but never me, Lord. 
How many verses? Count. How many verses later? Peter, the one that speaks and then speaks first. How many verses later? I think it's about 40 verses later. And we learn that Peter, not only once, not only twice, but going, going, sold three times. He says, I don't know him. He disowns him. Jesus looks at him and Peter realizes, he's just broken. Are you learning something about this journey? Are you learning about the hero of our faith, Simon Peter? Are you getting something from this about the fact that Jesus would begin when he first met Peter and saying, you are Simon, but you will be rock. There is a journey that we're all on where Jesus deals with our read nature, with our bendedness, with our failings, and he looks beyond that and he says, but you will be because I am. You will be rock because I am rock. I understand you are like this. I understand that you're not perfect. I understand that you are weak. I understand that you are fallible. I understand that you are thrown around by people and circumstances. I understand that, but I am looking forward to the future and I'm going to work with my spirit in you and I will grow you into something more than you could ever be by yourself. In John chapter 21, the end of John, we have this beautiful story only told by John with the restoration of Peter following his denial of Jesus three times. I don't know about you, but just imagine that you had denied Jesus and in the 40 days, Jesus keeps appearing and Jesus doesn't say anything about that day when you denied him in, in the way that he said you would. And you were so adamant that you wouldn't fail. And Jesus takes him aside and says, Peter, do you love me? And I don't have time to break down that story, but listen, the bottom line was is that Jesus was just doing something that he would do to anyone who fails him. He knows that we don't love him perfectly. He knows that we sin. He knows that we don't get it right. But what he says is to Peter in different ways, he says, Peter says, you know I do. You know I do. And and Jesus goes, well, feed my sheep. Look after my lambs. He's basically saying, I trust you even though you're not perfect and even though you fail me, it's okay. Can I, can I get an amen to that? Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God doesn't use only perfect people because he wouldn't use anyone? Especially me. Fast forward a few days after the end of Jesus' ascension, 10 days between his ascension and the first day of Pentecost. And guess who's the first person to speak out loud when asked, Why, what is happening? Are you guys drunk? Peter, the oldest, gets up and the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and he declares the good news from from the beginning of Joel and then all these other scriptures and you, you go, you're kidding me, this guy's a fisherman. Later on, when asked, they noted that they were ordinary men but they had been 
with Jesus. You see, the Spirit of God comes upon Peter and he talks about this spirit of prophecy that would be poured out on all flesh and he's the He's the one that God chooses to use to share this to over a crowd over 3,000 people from all places around the world. And he gets up and he shares with passion, with truth from the scriptures. And 3,000 people are cut to the heart and give their hearts to Jesus and are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit that day. And the church of Jesus Christ is launched by Simon become a rock then the first miracle goes they go peter and peter and john oldest and youngest go to the temple to pray beggar says please can you give me some money he said we don't have any money but what we have in the name of the lord jesus christ get up and walk and then we have the second sermon where people go, how did that happen? We need to tell you that we didn't do it, but it was in the name of Jesus that this man has been healed. And then you get another good news sermon. Holy Spirit come on, comes upon Peter again, and this great message goes out, and many people became believers. You know, here's what's interesting is, is that um, at the end of John 21, this is what Jesus says to him. He says to him, talks about the fact that um, he says, feed my sheep. And then he, and he talked about when you get old, others will dress you and they will take you where you don't want to go. And John says, this was in a little comment, commentary, he says, this was to say, to predict how, G, how Peter would die. I think that means that when John wrote it, Peter was already dead. And his wife, who witnessed him hung upside down. Um, the, the beautiful thing was about Peter's life is that Peter was not known primarily for all the wonderful things he did, but all the wonderful things Jesus did through him. And here's what's beautiful, and I said this to Michelle the other day, um, our past mistakes are the place of God's greatest victories. You see, your greatest victory in life is good but when god takes something where you failed and he adds his grace and mercy and power to it it just it, it just increases his glory you see god really struggles with proud people who've got it all because he he, he can't add to what they're trying to do but the humble the broken the weak he goes i'll use those because when something good happens, they will give glory to me and no one will expect it from them. And they'll go, well, glory to God. How could that ordinary fisherman from Capernaum have done that? Well, Peter would go, it's not me. It's the spirit of God living in me. I want to just say to you that these stories matter. is important for us all because Peter was used by God to, being a, to be one of the 12 people who the Spirit came on and the church of Jesus spread throughout the whole earth. Today, we are disciples of Jesus meeting in this room because people like Peter, who were reeds that became rock, were told by Jesus that they are not defined by their past, but they are defined by who he says they are and that there is nothing impossible for the one who can do it all, Jesus. I want to look at each one of you and go, 
God has purposed and planned you for a purpose that is bigger than you could imagine. Your story matters because God can use your story in the lives of your family, your children, your parents, your neighbours, the people that you work with in a way that you could never, never, never imagine because God so loves those people and he loves their lives so much that he sent his only son to save them. And he saved you first so that you could be a messenger, a witness, a testifier, someone that says how good God is, someone that is willing to just be in their life and say when they need it. Can I pray for you? Who says, I'll be there to help you when you're in a tough spot. I'll be there to share hope when there is no hope. I'm going to be there to say there is a way out of this. Let me pray that God intervenes in this. This is the stories that matter. Your stories matter. Their stories matter. And God loves our story and their stories. Peter is an illustration to me of someone who God poured out his spirit on. Someone who couldn't even believe that he could be a rock. And he was in transition towards being that. Even when he finished his ministry, he wasn't perfect. But listen, did God use Peter? Did we see more rock than reed by the end of his life? Yeah. And that's what I'm going for. Not that I would be perfect because I never will be. But I have the one who is perfect who is making me holy as he is holy. And every day I become a little bit more like Jesus and he gets a lot more of me than he gets a lot more glory out of me. And that's what I really want. So I want to finish by saying to you, um, some of you, um, you think you're nobody and nothing and how could God use you? You are in the best place that you'll ever be if you think that. But what you need to do is you need to get out of the road and, and don't think because of that, that, that's it. You need to acknowledge I am nothing. But God, I welcome you into that nothingness. And I ask you to bring your glory out of nothing. Because that will be the greatest victory ever. For some of you, uh, you, you, um, you, uh, you look at your failings and you go, God could never use me. Peter is a perfect example of someone who failed constantly and Jesus never gave up on him. Can I just remind you, um, I think someone shared a word this morning um, about the fact, about it was um, Penelope talked about children. Um, God has placed you in people's lives to be the one who says, you will not be always like this, you will be. You get to prophesy how God sees them before they even know God. You can even use language which declares hope in a future for them before you even mention Jesus to them. You can encourage them. You can build them up with words that come from the Spirit of God and speak life into them and see the good news change their life. I want you to know it doesn't matter how old you are, what education you are, how much money you have, it doesn't matter. Jesus wants to fill your life up with him and he wants to pour it out through you to others. Shame. I'm just going to break the power of shame. Some of your failures feel like deep shame and you feel like those shameful things that you've done. 
disqualify you. Jesus wants you to know that he's paid the price for your shame. If he can forgive your shame, he can also, and it's sin, he can also cause you to leave it with him. Can you reverse your past? Can you change anything you've done in your past? Do you regret the things you've done wrong? I do. Do you wish you could have your time again? That's the only thing we can't do, right? So why wish it? What I know is that in my, in my, my personal life, um, there are things that I regret. There are things that I've done which I wish in my humanness, I wish I could stop doing. But God says, you can't do that. He said, but what you can do is you can bring them to me and you can leave them with me. And you can ask me to do something that no human can do, which is to redeem that which is broken, that which you've failed at and bring good out of it. And you have to let go of your shame because Jesus paid for your shame. He says, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. As far as I'm concerned, you're a child of God. As far as I'm concerned, you are forgiven. As far as I'm concerned, you are no longer filled with shame, but you, are, you actually have an identity that's based on the Father that says you are good because I am good. You are holy because I am holy. You are right because I'm right. Don't let shame cut you off from what God wants to do. Your past... Where is that slide? <laughs> oh, I go, go right back to there we go. We are not defined by our past. We are defined by who Jesus says you are. Would you stand? Father, we thank you for your spirit as poured out in the day of Pentecost. So sons and daughters of the Most High God, born of the breath of the Spirit, could actually become prophets to the earth. This is a wonderful thing. But Lord, we know that we're often contained and held back from our past and by our failures. Lord, I just want to surrender those to you right now. Just put your hands, if you're agreeing with this prayer, just put your hands out and offer to him the things that you're suffering through your own sense of failure and shame or regret. Even those things where you feel that God could not use you because you're just not this or you're not that. I want you to put them at the foot put those things at the foot of the cross right now. 
And now I have a picture of the father coming from the house. He's carrying a new robe. And on top of that robe is a pair of new sandals. And there is a belt. And there is a, a ring. And he's just called over his shoulder, someone, please get the barbecue going. The Lord says, take this robe which my son made for you. Put it on. I declare you righteous. I declare you whole. I declare you mine. You are my son and my daughter. Now put on the belt. This belt is the belt that holds things all together. This is the truth that I am the Lord God. I am the one, the beginning and the end. I am the author and finisher. I hold things all together. This is the truth. And put on those shoes. I have, I have made you to be princes in the land and princesses in the land. You are a royal priesthood. I've made you to go throughout the length and breadth of wherever you live and wherever I send you. And wherever you go, you're going to speak my word. And wherever your feet places, I'm going to give you authority over people, over situations, over circumstances. And in my name, you will speak my authority over the things that are, not, that are broken, that are not working, that are distorted, that need healing, that need deliverance, and you're going to set those things free and you're going to seek healing. And for the truth, where there is no truth, you're going to have a word that's sharper than a two-edged sword and it's going to cut and it's going to pierce people's hearts because it will be the word of the Lord coming through you. Your words will not be just breath and sound, but they will be power. They will be spirit and life. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you might declare his praises. Go, you are not defined by your past. You're defined by who Jesus says you are. Now, you are to go to somebody today before you finish speaking with them, give them a word of encouragement from the Holy Spirit. Lord, say, Lord, what, can, what do you have for me to say? It could be one word. Lord, just give me a word for this person. I'm speaking to them now. Look them in the eye and say, Jesus, what would you have me say to this person to breathe life into their life? Your story matters to that person and their story matters to you. God bless you.